This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture this morning came from the 11th chapter in the book of John, the 25th through the 27th verse. And it read, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is to come into the world. This passage that I just read is excerpted from the very famous and familiar account of Jesus' raising Lazarus from the dead. In the context of this very familiar passage, I want to focus on the importance of what we believe and how that belief actually plays out in our minds and in our everyday life. It is important what you believe. And to do this, I want to highlight three very distinct points from this account. The first point is the resurrection. The second point is the life. And the third point is the solution. So my subject for today's message is quite simply the resurrection, the life, the solution. The resurrection, the life, the solution. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit, breathe on this preacher and breathe on this message and let us both live. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember as a child growing up, And hearing the familiar phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me, I can recall thinking how true that felt to me. But as I grew older, I began to realize how erroneous that phrase actually is. While I can readily admit that sticks and stones can indeed break our bones, the truth is words can do far more harm and cause much more harm than you could ever imagine. We're living in an era where much attention is being paid to things like bullying and the psychological effects and damage that this is having on our young people especially. As a matter of fact, with technology, bullying has gone from a physical act in the schoolyard to now being done over the internet and social media to the point where we now have a term called cyberbullying. This cyberbullying is nothing more than mere words on a computer screen, which now seems to be causing tremendous damage to people who, for one reason or another, have become victimized by these cyber bullies. In fact, I'm reminded of a case, I'm sure many of you have heard of it, where a young man ended up committing suicide because someone wrote very inflammatory things about him on Facebook. Whether we want to believe it or not, 
Words matter because they impact what we believe. On a beautiful Tuesday morning in September of 2001, I was sitting at my desk where I worked as a network engineer for the local phone company. This morning was no different from any other morning. My routine was to get to work before most people did so that I could get a jump start on my day and be prepared for what would be coming up that day. The day seemed like any other day. At about 8.46 a.m., I was startled by a loud explosion that shook the building I was in. It sounded like a bomb blast. It turned out later on that it was American Airlines Flight 11, which had left Boston's Logan Airport at 7.59 en route to Los Angeles with a crew of 11 and 76 passengers, not including five hijackers who flew a plane into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. We were told in my building to evacuate, and my friend and I, we ran outside, and we stood outside looking at this gaping hole in the North Tower where the plane had hit. And then, out of nowhere, we saw another plane coming, Flight 175, which also left Logan Airport, and it hit the South Tower, carrying a crew of nine and 51 passengers, not including the five hijackers. The day seemed like no other day. I and countless other witnesses saw firsthand the devastation and the damage caused by these hijackers. As a matter of fact, my wife's aunt Stephanie, she died when the first plane hit the North Tower. And like many of us, many of us, we all wondered where was God and wanted to know why would a good God allow something like this to happen. It felt then as if God did not care. I told this story and reminded many of you of this story of September 11th because I wanted it to be a very, very real and tangible example of what can happen based on what someone chooses to believe because of words. Whatever we make of these people, whatever their motivations, however God is going to deal with them in the hereafter. I don't know. It is not my role to judge, but I want you to understand that something deep was rooted in their hearts. In other words, words matter, for they impact what we believe. And we see this even happening in the insurrection at the, the Capitol building. We see people taking matters into their own hands simply because of what they choose to believe. What you believe matters. What you believe is important. What you believe can change your reality. Our text is an excerpt from the story of a man named Lazarus from a place called Bethany. We are told that this man was sick. He was the brother of Martha and Mary. You remember the same Mary who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. They sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick and they needed Jesus to come. And Jesus, seeming to ignore their request, decided to stay two more days where he was staying despite the fact that Lazarus was someone, the text tells us, he loved after two days, Jesus then decides to go to Bethany. And the disciples tried to dissuade him and say, no, no, no. Remember what happened the last time you were in that region. The Jews tried to stone you. Do not go, Jesus. For at this time, Lazarus is 
probably dead. Jesus, however, was clear about his mission. And so the disciples reluctantly followed Jesus as he made his way to Bethany. When Jesus got there, he found out that Lazarus had in fact died and was in a tomb for now four days. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, runs out to meet Jesus. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 17. Here's what it says, and it reads, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes. Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, I just noticed something that I had not noticed before. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what he said to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, you will never die. I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? Look at Martha's response. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha did not believe what Jesus said. She said, I believe that you are the Messiah. That's not what he said. He said, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe that? That was the question. And Martha went off talking about him being the Messiah. My point is right here. It matters what you admit to believing. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is grieving and she knows the power of Jesus, but she is stuck. Hear me, church. She is stuck between knowing the power of Jesus and believing the power of Jesus. You see, many of us, we know that Jesus is risen. We know that Jesus can heal. We know that Jesus can open blind eyes. We know that Jesus can raise the dead. We know that Jesus do all of these things. But when it comes to our issues, when it comes to our situation, we have a problem believing in that same God. Before we get on Martha's case, how many of us can here readily admit that there is power in the name of Jesus? We say it all the time. Yet when we are faced with the impossible situations in our lives, we quickly develop spiritual 
amnesia. We can quickly recite scriptures. We know all the spiritual songs. But when it comes to actually believing that Jesus can do what seems to be even the impossible, we doubt. Today, we want to doubt our doubts, for he is risen. There's a difference between knowing that Jesus can do something and actually believing that Jesus will do something. But Martha goes a step further and she says in verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Oh, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Let's stop there for a moment. Martha knows that her brother will rise again, but only at the last day. In other words, Martha had faith in God and knew the scriptures and their fulfillment at the end of time. So faith was not Martha's problem. Faith was not Martha's issue. And many of us today, I dare say, you have strong faith. You have really strong faith. You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died. He's going to come again. You have faith in his finished work on the cross. But what Martha was facing was an impossible situation. And the problem with Martha was not her faith. Martha just did not believe what the Spirit of the Lord was telling her. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This brings me to my first point. Jesus is the resurrection. The problem here, church, is that Lazarus was dead. Not only was he dead, but he had been buried in a tomb for four days. And by now, he was literally a rotting, stinking corpse. This was not only an impossible situation, but it was not even a situation that Martha even wanted or even thought could be resolved. But Jesus says he was the resurrection. He was telling Martha that he had the answer to her impossible problem. What situation, my brothers and sisters, are you facing right now in your life that you think is dead? But not only do you think that situation is dead, you think it is a rotting, stinking corpse. In other words, there is no possibility of it ever coming back to life. Your situation is so dead that you've walked away from it for so many days, maybe months, maybe even years, and quite frankly, you've given up all hope long ago that, that anything would ever happen good. You have lost expectations. You are literally like Ezekiel in that valley of dry bones. And the Lord is saying to you and to me, can these bones live? A rotted dream. Gone. But Jesus says to Martha, and I love this with these words, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. And because Jesus is the resurrection, he is the resurrection to anything that is dead or any decaying dreams that you may have. Jesus is the resurrection to the marriage that you gave upon so long ago. Jesus is the resurrection to the career that you thought you lost so long ago. He's the resurrection to the child that you believe is a wayward child and without promise. He is a resurrection to the hope you lost 
when you lost a loved one, Jesus is the resurrection that will turn your darkest hour into your brightest day. Jesus is the resurrection. And here is my question, church. Do you believe? You may have a lot of faith, but you're struggling in that place of belief. So picking up the story, Martha runs home. She tells Mary, Jesus is in town. Mary then makes haste to get to Jesus. And when she finds him, the Bible tells us in verse 32, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Does that sound familiar? The very same thing that Martha said is the very same thing that Mary is now saying to Jesus. But I want to bring you into my scholarship for a moment, into my Bible study for a moment. Whenever you read the Bible, hear me church, whenever you read the Bible and you see something said and then the something is said again, we call that a literary inclusio. Nice word. When something is said and then it's repeated again, it's a literary inclusio, which means something in the middle is critical that the author wants you to know. So when you look at Martha saying, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Mary said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When you move to the middle of those two, two messages, you find verse 25. And this is what the author wants to bring our attention to. Verse 25. And verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This is what the author wants us to see. Everything that I've talked about so far, everything that we know about God focuses on this point. Whatever you are going through in your life, you must get it in your spirit that Jesus is the resurrection. He is the life, which is my second point. Jesus is the life. We've already established that the resurrection is the answer to the problem of being dead. If you're dead, you need to be resurrected. But not because something has been resurrected, hear me church, means that it has life. In other words, you can resurrect a marriage, but it can be as lifeless as an old shoe. We can resurrect family relationships, but no matter how we may try, they are lifeless and burdensome. So we continue now with the story and jump to verse 38. Here's what it says. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, and you could almost hear the exasperation in Jesus' voice. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the, belief, for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth 
around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I want to focus on verse 44, for what we see is a dead man coming out of the tomb with his hands and his face and his feet. He's all wrapped up with linen cloth. He is a stinking dead corpse, and he's walking out all bound up and wrapped up. What this means is that we can somehow become alive in Christ, but still carry around the dead clothes of where we have been. We are dragging with us all of what was our past, walking with us, alive in Christ, but carrying all that baggage with us. We may have been set free, and we may have been resurrected, but we still lug around the grave clothes of wounded memories, strongholds of where we have been, and what others may have done to us. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. The question is, my brothers and my sisters, do you believe? Do you believe? So not only did Jesus resurrect the dead, he also asked to remove the evidence of where you have been. Finally, we get to the third and final point, which is Jesus is the solution. In the latter part of verse 43, Jesus says to those that were at the tomb, take off the grave clothes and let him go. While, while, while Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead, because he was the resurrection, and, and while Jesus gave Lazarus back his, his life, because Jesus was the life, Jesus now asks for our participation in unbinding others and setting them free. This is one of the most beautiful parts of this story in that the God of the universe sees the value in you and that he wants to partner with you to help set his captives free as the church and the body of Christ. We get to be Jesus' hands and his feet and his heart if need be so that we can extend his grace to all those who are ready to receive the gift of his love. It is when we are unbinding others, when we are in the act of setting others free that other people will see our good works and they will glorify our Father in heaven. As a body of believers and as a house of worship called Allen Temple, this is why we talk about the things that we do. We give the electronic tablets to the school for needy children. We go out on the sidewalk and we feed those right in the neighborhood. We are doing the work so that others may see our good works. My brothers and my sisters, for every gift that you give to this church, for every good work that we are doing, let me make it plain. What we are doing is we are unbinding and loosing others for the glory of God and to set them free. This is why we are so passionate about the work and whether or not we're able to do it in a sanctuary that we're trying to make beautiful for and comfortable. Listen, if we didn't have the building, we would do it on the street corner. We are unbinding 
and setting others free. We are partnering with the master and for that he will receive glory. So if you have ever been stuck in a situation and you did not know what to do, then you need to understand that Jesus knows what to do in impossible and hopeless situations. He specializes in the impossible and the hopeless. And I know you hear me, and I know you have faith. My problem is, do you believe? This is the question Jesus asked. Jesus is saying, he is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the solution. Do you believe? So, are you sick? Jesus is the healing. Are you hungry? Jesus is the bread of heaven who will feed us till we want no more. Are you stuck in an endless cycle? Jesus is the beginning and the end. Whatever state you are in, Jesus is the solution, whatever you need him to be. But it begins with you believing his word. The fuel of faith is not what you or I feel. The fuel of faith is what you and I actually believe. So believe in Jesus. When sickness comes, believe Jesus. When death comes, believe Jesus. When the bottom of life falls out for you, believe Jesus. When the answers to your prayers are delayed, believe Jesus. Jesus, when you are ridiculed for your faith, believe Jesus. And when you're looking at a hopeless situation, believe Jesus. When I place my problems beside the Lord, they suddenly get very, very small. No matter how it may look in my eyes or in yours, it is nothing compared to the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be that you're looking at an impossible situation right now. I don't know how, what impossible is to you. You may be lost and have no idea where to turn, even as we as the church are celebrating this Resurrection Sunday. You might have a problem you can't even handle, or you may have strayed away from God and have even lost the little faith that you had. My brothers and my sisters, here is the message. Today is a good day to come to Jesus. Today is a really good day to come to Jesus. Why? For he is the resurrection, the life, and the solution. And if you can believe this, then his word is in you. And if his word is in you, then neither sticks nor stones nor any darts or wiles of the enemy will be able to break your bones. And I declare and I decree that it is so in Jesus' name. Do you believe? May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.